So now Michelle Obama is the most powerful African-American woman in the world. All right. More powerful than Oprah, more powerful than any politician. And African-Americans and many white Americans pay close attention to what she says. Now, I was hoping that President Obama and Michelle Obama would be uniters on the race situation, which is intense. We all know that. It was more divisive now than at any other time in my lifetime, maybe with the exception of the Vietnam War Black Panther situation. Maybe, maybe that was worse, but it's close. It's close. Black and white Americans are not real comfortable with one another. I can tell you that as a fact. All right. I don't, I have some African-American friends and my friendships have not been impacted. We still have very lively and honest conversations, but I know a lot of white people that don't want anything to do with blacks, not because they're biased, but they're afraid. They're afraid they'll say something wrong or uh, offend or, or so they just would rather retreat. African-American people feel that, feel that they're not being treated as another white person. And it's true. It's true. All this divisive, progressive stuff, Black Lives Matter stuff, has put a fear into the white community in America. That's the truth. That's the truth. All right. And then there's resentment. Because I don't agree with Black Lives Matter. I, I think this, this is a tremendously harmful organization. I work for myself. I run my own corporations. If I worked for another corporation and said that, I could be fired on the spot if I criticize Black Lives Matter. And everybody knows that. So we're living in an age of discomfort between black and white Americans. And that is harmful to this country, because in my opinion, as a historian, we were making very good strides. In fact, in a poll taken, what was it, uh, four years ago, three years ago, the vast majority of Americans thought race relations were improving. Now it's the opposite. So Michelle Obama is friends with Gail King, who's friends with Oprah. It's a little circle. Now, I know Oprah, I know Gail King, they're fine. I have no beefs with them, all right? Uh, they're successful people. They earn their success. Uh, nothing was handed to them. They can say what they want as long as they don't say anything that's not true. But Michelle Obama goes on to CBS Morning News and says this. Go. Aren't your girls right driving? Now? They're driving. Yeah. But every time they get in a car by themselves, I worry about what assumption is being made by somebody who doesn't know everything about them. The fact that they are good students and polite girls, but maybe they're playing their music a little loud. Maybe somebody mm -hmm. sees the back of their head mm -hmm. and makes an assumption. I, like so many parents of black kids, have to, that the, 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 the innocent act of getting a license mm -hmm. puts fear in our hearts. Okay. I got to be careful here because I want to be fair and honest about my assessment. 
Number one, I don't doubt that Michelle Obama is afraid for her girls, her two girls. I think that's true. But is the fear founded or is it an irrational fear? So I asked my staff, best in the business, by the way, isn't it ironic that this small news agency, BillOReilly.com, has the best staff in the business? I think it is. Now, I took some of them from Fox News, but we don't make mistakes here. So I asked them to look for a study about African-American women's interactions with police, which was what Michelle Obama was talking about this morning. The only study that we know of is from prisonpolicy.org, prisonpolicy.org, and it was taken in 2015, six years ago. Percentage of drivers who experienced a vehicle stop in 2015, white, 7%. Black, 8%. Not a big difference. And Latina, if you're interested, 6%. So 7 for white, black 8, Latina 6. Not a big difference. The cops pulling people over. Okay. That was black females, black women in automobiles. Again, I'm going to give it to you. White 7, black 8, Latina 6. Second question, percentage of people who experienced a street stop in 2015, women. This is on the street, not in a car. White, 0.7%. Black, 0.7%. Those are the stats. Now, they haven't changed in six years. It's not like in the last six years, police have said, let's pull over more black women. Let's hassle more black women. The truth, again, the truth is that more black men are stopped because they're criminal suspects operating in areas of high criminality. You don't have black women doing that. They're not selling the heroin most of the time. So the cops go where the crime is. So that study basically tells you that Michelle Obama's fears for her children, while genuine, are unfounded. I mean, the stats are just like 0.7% chance of a black female being asked questions by a cop on the street. 0.7%. You got more of a chance of being hit by lightning or eaten by a shark. Yet, Michelle Obama, again, the most influential African-American woman in the world, puts that out. And people believe it. And, you know, you're, if you're sitting at home watching that and you're an African-American woman and Michelle's telling you that, you're oh, my girl's going to be okay. And this creates discord. Okay, mistrust, not only between African-Americans and the police, but African-Americans and white Americans. Now, I will guarantee you, watching me tonight and listening to me, not one news agency will do what I did. Not one in the entire country 
They'll not look at the statement and see if it's factually backed up. They won't because they don't care, number one. And number two, they're afraid, petrified because of the cancel culture. They'd be called in at the New York Times or the Washington Post or CNN or NBC News. What are you doing? You can't do that. You can't cast light on Michelle Obama. She may be saying things that are inaccurate. And again, she's not lying. She's not doing it on purpose. This is her perception. This is Mrs. Obama's perception. But perception is not reality. And until we in the United States stop this nonsense about demonizing the cops and saying that we're a racist nation and it's systemic racism. If you're white, you're racist by birth. Stop it. Ugh. So let's begin with President Biden in Tulsa today. That was what was on his schedule. He traveled to Tulsa, Oklahoma to commemorate the 100th anniversary of a very terrible thing that happened the Tulsa Race Massacre, 100 years ago, June 1st, 1921. Um, and it all ignited because of a social interaction between a black man and a white woman. And when it was over, uh, there were 100 to 300 deaths of African-Americans in Tulsa. It was a riot. It was a massacre. It was vigilantism. It was horrible. Now, um, it's a good thing that the president of the United States goes and commemorates bad things that happened in America because we all should know the truth of, about our country. And if we don't know the truth about our country, we cannot, as loyal citizens, make intelligent decisions. The problem here is that some progressive far-left people use a terrible thing like the Tulsa Race Massacre to condemn the country today, to say, hey, nothing has really changed. Nothing has really improved in America. This could happen today. And that's a lie. Now, is it Joe Biden's responsibility to put some context to the massacre? No, it isn't. What his responsibility is, is to tell the American people what happened and that it will never happen again. It's particularly young kids, all right? Now, if Joe Biden were a smart man, which he is not, and I'm, I'm not saying that with any kind of uh, persnickety attitude, he is not. If he were a smart man, he would use this occasion in Tulsa to get on Air Force One and fly to Chicago right after it and say, today we have a massacre going on in another American city. This is an amazing stat. I did not know this. In five and a half years, there have been 3,000 African-Americans murdered in the city of Chicago. I'll repeat it. Five and a half years, 3,000 African-Americans murdered in Chicago. Has the federal government done anything about it? No. Now, unfortunately, Illinois is the worst governor in the country, Pritzker, I mean, he's just a, you know, I don't even know what the word is. And they have a corrupt mayor and city council in the Windy City. Okay, 
but 3,000 murders of black people and no one is doing anything about it? No one? Why can't Joe Biden fly from Oklahoma to Chicago? It's about an hour. Get off the plane and say, I'm going to solve this. I'm going to stop this. All right? And I'm going to, I'm going to uh, devote my efforts to the poor people who lost their lives in Tulsa 100 years ago. Why can't he do that? Why wouldn't he do that? He wouldn't do it because, A, he's not smart enough to think of it, and B, because it would go against the Democratic Party, which runs the state of Illinois and the city of Chicago and has for the past five and a half years. Now, when you say, okay, why isn't there Black Lives Matter marching? Why isn't there uh, outraged progressive liberals demanding the murder of black people stop in Chicago? Why, why isn't that happening? George Floyd, we had demonstrations everywhere. There are 3,000 dead blacks in Chicago. We have no demonstrations. Why? Because 90% of those African-Americans were killed by other African-Americans. Maybe more. Not whites killing the blacks in Chicago. It's blacks. So now we're into a complicated zone. Now we're into a zone of, well, we don't want to really point that out. We don't want to talk about that. We don't want to talk about all of the black victims all over the United States overwhelmingly harmed by other blacks. Overwhelmingly. It's not whites hurting them. It's not Asians, not Hispanics. It's other blacks. We don't want to talk about that. No. Because that's not woke. You see, that's not woke. No. And just the fact that I'm talking about it now, somebody somewhere will, oh, he's a racist. Oh, yeah. Can't point that out. I can't tell the truth about what's happening. So when I see Joe Biden or any other politician, and let's, let's be honest here, Republican politicians didn't solve. Chicago didn't go in. I mean, Donald Trump put more federal agents there, but hadn't done any good. More people being killed there now than ever before. Hadn't done any good. So nobody has solved the problem. Nobody talks about the problem. Makes me sick. All right, now tomorrow, President Biden already has something on his schedule. He's going to greet the family of George Floyd at the White House. Now, as I said on the radio today, this is a humane thing to do because tomorrow is the one-year anniversary, May 25th, 2020, of Mr. Floyd's death at the hands of Minneapolis police. So if I were president, I would certainly meet with the family. I mean, there's no doubt I would. And I would say we're working very, very hard at the federal level, and most states are as well, to make sure this never happens again. And, and I would give the family the respect the family deserves. So if you object to that, if anybody objects to that, you need to write me why. Bill at BillOReilly.com, Bill at BillOReilly.com, because I think this is a good thing. However, I'm not going to say this is the primary reason Mr. Biden is doing it, but it's one of the reasons. So the president wants to pass a new police reform bill, all right? And it's the George Floyd Justice in Policing Act, okay? It's already passed the House by a very slim margin. I don't think it's going to pass the Senate, but... 
uh, Mr. Biden wants to put pressure on the Republican senators to pass this bill. The problem with the bill, and, and it is problematic, okay, is that it has in it eliminating qualified immunity for law enforcement, all law enforcement. So if you make an arrest, the person you arrest can sue you if you're a cop and you can't afford to pay those lawsuits, to pay those lawyers, and the unions will quickly get bankrupt if they do. So this destroys the criminal justice system in the United States. I'm not even getting into the other stuff. I mean, ban no-knock warrants and all that. That would hurt the criminal justice system. But this would destroy it. Now, once again, the question becomes, does Joe Biden know that? Does he understand that? Is he... um, Is he capable enough to understand that by including this in the bill, you destroy American law enforcement everywhere? You you answer the question. Now, you know the progressive left wants to destroy law enforcement. They don't want to have an effective criminal justice system. They want to let the criminals go. That's the progressive mantra. It has been that way for decades. All right. So I don't believe any Republican senator is going to vote for this. And so they'll filibuster it. But that's why this George Floyd family meeting is taking place, in addition to the humane aspect of it. Now, a guy who's leading this destroy the police is Benjamin Crump. Do you know that name? He's the lawyer who's made millions and millions of dollars representing the families of people that the police have mistreated. Okay, Crump has made tens of millions of dollars, but he's also leading the charge to dismantle policing in the USA. Roll the tape. We all pray that George Floyd was the tipping point that it would uh, lead to a new precedent where we would see uh, a reduction in these unjustified and necessary killings of black people in America. However, we have been reminded repeatedly that we still have a long way to go. All right. Now, you can disdain Mr. Crump, but he has some evidence on his side. On May 21st, um, some video was released by the state of Louisiana. Very disturbing video. All right, a guy in 2019, Ronald Green, was pulled over by Louisiana state troopers, punched, dragged, they stun gunned him, and he died. Now, the troopers said that he died because he crashed his SUV into a tree. That was not true. The cops killed him, all right? And it's horrifying video. Now, Mr. Green was, according to coroner, under the influence of cocaine and alcohol when he died. But that doesn't mean that police can kill you. So this is Union Parish in Louisiana. So this is the kind of stuff that gives Benjamin Crump and the progressive left ammunition Sorry to use that word, but I have to, to destroy police. So 
it's very few police officers that do this, but it's done. And now with video all over the place, it becomes a thousand times more intense because you can see it. So I, I don't know with 80,000 law enforcement officers in America, you're always going to have some of that. It's not, I'm not making an excuse, but if you, if you destroy the entire criminal justice system because you have some rogue cops, bad cops, then we all are in danger. So let me back that up, okay? Um, the riots last year, total bill, $2 billion for the riots of paid insurance claims, $2 billion. In Seattle, $2 million in damage, one dead, shot, four people shot, one shot to death. You remember Seattle, the Jenny Durkin, I'll give the radicals, uh, you know, five blocks in the city. Portland, Oregon, totally out of control to this day. Ted Wheeler, the mayor, $23 million that the city of Portland doesn't have in damages and lost revenue. One death reported. Minneapolis, Jacob Frey, okay, another far left loon. $550 million in damage to Minneapolis. All right, totally demoralized the police department. Now they have so much crime that Minneapolis, the city, has to bring in other police agencies to protect its citizens. All right? This is all after George Floyd. On and on and on and on and on. Almost every city in the country, the murder rate is up. African-American on African-American crime. That's what it is. Now let's get something uh, that I am upset about and angry about. Tonight on the No Spin News, I want to apologize to Senator Tim Scott from South Carolina on behalf, and I'm speaking on behalf, of all good, fair-minded Americans. All right, so you'll remember that last week, in response to President Biden's address, Senator Scott was chosen by the Republicans to give the counter address, and he did. And in his address, he said that he does not believe America is a racist country that he understands because of skin color and his own personal experience that African-Americans sometimes are insulted and not treated with respect and denied things that white Americans are not. That is true. No one can deny that. That happens. But on the whole, and he pointed to his own success, remember, um, Senator Scott did not have a father involved, all right, as many, many African-Americans do not, and white Americans, but the proportion of blacks is off the chart. 73% of black babies now born out of wedlock. So, Senator Scott sincerely looked into the camera and said he does not believe that his country, which he represents in the Senate, is racist. So, on MSNBC, which is a radical left network, there's no balance, there's no reporting, it's just in business to promote progressive left causes. There is a woman named Tiffany Cross who is on that network and who has for years spouted, I would say, hateful things against anyone who disagrees with her. All right, so that's what she does. NBC knows that and continues to pay her. Here's what Ms. Cross said about Senator Scott. 
This week, the sole black Republican in the Senate sounded a stone fool when he said this. Hear me clearly. America is not a racist country. Okay, let's be clear. Tim Scott does not represent any constituency other than the small number of sleepy, slow-witted sufferers of Stockholm Syndrome who get elevated to prominence for repeating a false narrative about this country that makes conservative white people feel comfortable. Because when you speak an uncomfortable truth, like Nicole Hannah-Jones, the party that Scott's claims is not racist gets big mad and tries to silence you. Just this week, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell asked Education Secretary Miguel Cardona to scrap teaching the 1619 Project in schools because it would reorient the view of American history. Lucky for McConnell, he has his own tap dancer to try and reorient the view of America for him. Tap dancer. Now, that is a racist smear. That's what it is. There's no other way to describe it. Tap dancer. Now, did you see any pushback? Did NBC apologize or did she get suspended? Anything like that? No. Did the New York Times, Washington Post say anything about it? No. Now, you can just imagine. If a Republican or a person on Fox News or One America or Newsmax said something like that about a black American tap dancer, you can imagine they wouldn't have a job. They'd be canceled forever. Yet Tiffany Cross can say that with glee. She likes that. So my question for Comcast, which owns NBC, is a simple one because I'm a simple man. So why are you paying for hate? Why? You know who she is. She doesn't hide it. All right? You know. Why are you paying for that? Now, I'm not calling for censorship or anything else. I'm calling for standards. So in my 20-plus years at Fox News, no one on Fox News in that period of time could have said anything close to what Tiffany Cross said. It wouldn't have been permitted by management. The person would have been fired on the spot, on Fox News. Didn't matter who it was. Didn't matter if it was a liberal Democrat, even a criminal. You couldn't do that. Call somebody a a black person a tap dancer. All right, so that's called standards. So this, MSNBC is run by NBC News. Now, on race, I, uh, I've been looking into this pretty heavily because it's a very troubling situation for me as an American. All right. I, this race thing. I've never been a skin color guy. If you read my bio, A Bold Fresh Piece of Humanity, my boyhood idol was Willie Mays. All right. And in my Levittown neighborhood, blacks were not allowed to buy houses. They had to live on the other side of Westbury, all right? But I never remember my parents or any of my close friends disparaging blacks. There were kids who did that, but we didn't hang with them, okay? And we admired black people, all right, that were famous. And I did, I have never in my life, and I played sports, I was the only white guy on an all-black baseball team. 
called the Brooklyn Monarchs when I was about 20 years old. All right. I, I loved it. So I'm not a skin color guy and I hate all the skin color business. Now, in 2013, that's eight years ago, there was a Gallup poll on racial tensions in America. And that poll said that Americans felt race relations were very or somewhat good to the tune of 70%. This is black, white, everybody. 70% of Americans back in 2013 said, it's pretty good here in this country. All right. Bad was 30%. Again, eight years ago. In 2019, all right, there was uh, another poll. And uh, that poll, 2020, I'm sorry, we have an update here. 2020 Gallup poll. Good or somewhat good, 44%. Bad or somewhat bad, 55%. Look at the shift. It's incredible. So what happened in the interim? Well, there were police shootings of black people, but not many. Not many, but every one of them was hyped by the media. So uh, a man named Eric Kaufman, who's a professor of politics at the University of London, where I attended my third year in college, I went to the University of London, um, he did a study. And he said in 2011, the terms racist, racism accounted for 000.2% of all the words in the New York Times and Washington Post. In 2019, okay, the words racism, racist, all of that increased 700% in those two newspapers. So you can make an argument, as Professor Kaufman does, that the media coverage of this the hysterical coverage in some areas, and you'll remember uh, the Missouri Brown coverage, Michael Brown, was hysterical. All right, hands up, don't shoot. Remember that? You can make an argument that that media, not actual real life, has turned this country against one another. And that's what the study basically implies. Now, the population in America breaks down this way. 60% white, 18% Hispanic, 13% black, and 6% Asian. Okay, so by far, whites are still the majority. The Hispanic population, with all of the undocumented immigration, is rising quickly. The black population is staying the same at 13 why? Because of the colossal, second time I've used that word, let's say the amazing abortion rate among African-Americans. So the birth rate very low and the abortion rate is very high. So 13% is, is stable. It's the Hispanic community that's growing. Now, median income. Median income for whites in America, $76,000. Okay. For Asians, $98,000, median income. That means half or more, half or less. $98,000 for Asians. Hispanics, $56,000. Blacks, $45,000.
So blacks are at the bottom end of the income chart. However, however, from 2015 to 19, that's basically the Trump administration, the median income for blacks was 15% increase. The median income for whites was 12%, even with all those white billionaires you always hear about. So blacks have a 3% higher medium income in that four-year period. Now, if we're a white supremacist, so blacks are doing better proportionately than whites. So all of these things nobody knows about. The media are never going to report this because it goes against their narrative that the United States is a patriarchy dominated by white men who want to hurt everybody else. So there are the facts. Okay. Now, if you are a person who lives your life conscious of other people's skin color, you need to sit down and figure out why. Okay? Because that's not the future of this country. We all have to try to respect each other. Now, if you look at the military, military is the best example of this, okay? That is an organization that's protecting all of us, but that doesn't have this kind of hierarchical problem, all right? You go in, it's a meritocracy. Now, some people will say, no, it's not, okay. If that's what you want to do, fine. But I don't agree with that. So in my life, I try to treat everybody initially with respect. All right. If as things unfold, I learn they don't deserve respect. Then I alter my thinking. But if I meet somebody, I don't care what color they are. If I'm trying to hire people, I couldn't care less what color they are. I'm trying to get the best person, the person that's going to help my organization. I don't care. I don't have a count. I don't have a litmus test. All right. And I think if we all did that, every one of us in this country, all 330 million of us, respected the other person based upon who they are, Martin Luther King, content of their character, rather than what they look like, we'd be so much stronger. The country would be so much more vibrant. But now we're being torn apart by race thanks to the media and fanatics on both sides. Who was there for the families left behind when a service member or first responder dies or is catastrophically injured in the line of duty? Who is helping our nation's homeless veterans? And who is helping our nation keep its vow to never forget 9-11? I'll tell you who. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation. The Foundations in the Line of Duty programs honor our nation's heroes and their families. That includes its Gold Star, Fallen First Responder, Smart Home, and Homeless Veteran programs. The Foundation's Never Forget programs engage people in 9-11 remembrance across America. Over 80 runs, walks, and climbs a year. Dozens of golf outings and barbecues. And the Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute is helping to educate kids in kindergarten through 12th grade about our nation's darkest day, 9-11. More than 95 cents of every dollar you donate to Tunnel to Towers goes to its programs. This charity keeps its word and honors our nation's greatest heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org.
Let's go to the mail. Francis, Bill, I agree that the assault on the Capitol January 6th was bad. However, I feel the burning riots in Portland, Seattle, and other cities are equally as bad. I disagree with you, Francis. I mean, that's the capital of the United States. Those people tried to interfere with our governance in a very irresponsible and dangerous way. Now, that doesn't diminish what's happened in Portland, Seattle, Minneapolis, other places. Does it? But in Washington, D.C., at the nation's capitol building? No. Michael, concierge member, means Michael gets direct access to me. Great gift for Father's Day. Really good gift. Bill, yesterday you said the bipartisan investigation of the January 6th riots did not find the president had any personal responsibility. That's not what I said, which is why you should always watch this broadcast with a pen and paper. The investigation did not mention President Trump, didn't exonerate him, didn't condemn him, didn't mention him. Now, if President Trump had done something that was demonstrable in causing that riot, it certainly would have been mentioned. So you can draw the conclusion. Philip, okay, our VP Kamala may be a little vacuous, word of the day, vacuous, but in her favor, she did say, don't come. She said what the Biden people told her to say. Yes, she did. Not going to argue with it. George, wonder if Kamala knows what the root cause is for people leaving the states of California and New York. (laughs) I wonder if she knows. Yeah, progressive lunacy. That's why they're leaving. Vernon, boy, if the vice president's performance does not give you confidence, just wait until she's president in a few months. All right. Adele Watros, Yom, Washington. Bill, I have a serious question. For those that are vaxxed, why should we even care about people who are not? Because they're fellow human beings, Adele. But I agree with you in principle. I'm not going to get involved with anybody who doesn't want to take the vax. I'm not going to condemn them. Certainly not going to praise them, because I think it's wise to get the vax. Uh, Dan Rowan. Don Rowan. Dan Rowan was the comedian that I write about in Killing the Mob who was almost whacked. Remember laughing? Yeah. Long Beach, California, Don Rowan writes, there's little or no news reporting in President Biden's daily schedule. That's true. This scares me. While reporting Biden's inactivity, real news may be overlooked by what his staff is doing. But we're never going to know that. Here's something interesting. There aren't any leaks coming out of the Biden administration, are there? With Trump, it was every day. Now, I didn't believe half those leaks. I thought they were phony stories. But Biden, you never hear any leaks. That interesting? Hugh Nowak, Cascade Charter, Township, Michigan. Bill, you're correct in noting that no one knows how long natural immunity from COVID lasts. And neither is it known how long any vaccine provides immunity, be fair and balanced. All right, Hugh, look, if you want to split hairs on this, go ahead. Okay, but the vax has dropped our uh, new cases of COVID by 90% in five months. Okay. Mike Murray, Dallas, Oregon, outside of Portland. Bill, your segment informing the audience of billionaires to pay minimal tax was spot on. It has been truly said that the United States tax code is a roadmap of special interest. Anyone thinks the rich will pay, even if Biden changes the code, 
is crazy. Okay. Uh, Tony Padgett, Chandler, Arizona. Bill, you said that billionaires should pay a tax on the value of their companies. How is that different from a wealth tax? It's not what I said, Tony. It's not what I said. I said if billionaires have compensation, they're being compensated for something, a house, a meal, a private airline trip, if in their personal lives they're being compensated, they should be taxed on that because that's income but not on the total value of what they have. John Bradley, Bayville, New York. Bill, just saw you with the Islanders game. I yell, love you, Bill. I was the guy in the Santa suit. John, I saw you. I waved to you. And I'm glad Santa was rooting for the Islanders. Marsha, I'm not going to withhold her last name. Prescott, Arizona. Will President Trump be live and in person with you at the history tour? Earth to Martha. Marsha. That's what the tour is, Marsha. I'm going out with President Trump to the four cities to talk about history. Where would he be? Would he have a little puppet? Oh, yeah. All right. Um, Mark Conray, uh, Tiga K, South Carolina. Can't wait to see you and President Trump in December. This will truly be a vitally important evening. I hope so. Now, um, advanced sales for the first seven hours in the Fort Lauderdale venue, and I'll give you that info in a moment, um, about 40% sold out. I mean, this is lightning. So if you want to go to see the shows, okay, you got to get to BillOReilly.com now. And the shows are in Lauderdale at the BB&T Center on December 11th, December 12th, Amway Center, Orlando, Florida, December 18th, Toyota Center, Houston, Texas, December 19th, Dallas, American Airlines Center. So tickets go on sale on Monday for Ticketmaster for all shows except Orlando. That's going to be a little bit later. And go to the Toyota Center itself for Orlando. Okay, but they're going to put them on soon. But the other shows, I don't know if they're going to be tickets available by Monday. They're going so fast. So you've got to go to BillOReilly.com. We'll help you out. And we want to see you there. John Stoker, Springville, Utah. Bill Killing Mob is one of your best books. It was riveting. All the research and information was amazing. Killing the Mob, number one, again, New York Times list on Sunday. Phenomenon. Biggest selling nonfiction book in the world. Great Father's Day gift. I mean, all of that. You know the drill. If you get all 10 of the Killing Books, Dad will love you forever. And so will Granddad. Hey, guys, it's Vivek Ramaswamy here, inviting you to listen to my podcast, Truth. We just relaunched it after the campaign, and we are already riding up the podcast charts. Here's why. I think that hard, in-depth conversations about the tough issues is the only way we're going to get this country back. Because make no mistake, we are currently in a war for the future of America, and you cannot win a war unless you're willing to speak the truth. If you want standard conservative talking points, this podcast is not for you. But if you want to go deeper, and hear the conversations you're not going to find anywhere else, the conversations that will challenge you, that will challenge me, then subscribe to Truth with Vivek Ramaswamy on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And I promise you, you're going to cover terrain that you're not going to hear elsewhere. All right, final thought of the day. Here she is by popular demand, Holly the Terra Dog. So she's been having a little stomach distress. We changed her food. 
She now orders from the a la carte menu. <laughs> Holly's a good dog, and she protects the house. And Holly likes Joe Biden because it's possible Mr. Biden is the only politician ever to sleep more than Holly. Right, Holly? Oh, so Holly, she's um, it's about a, an hour and a half away from dinner, right? About an hour and a half away from dinner, Holly. And she gets four walks courtesy of me. But that keeps me in shape. Kisses, Holly. Oh, no kisses, but a little, little high five for Holly O'Reilly. All right, there she is. Say goodbye to everybody.